So welcome to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of um, Communications and Advocacy with NCBI. And today I'm joined by Geraldine Conway, who is a regular user of our check-in and chat um, and just NCBI services in general over the years. So uh, very welcome, Geraldine, and thank you for joining with us. No problem, June. Um, I suppose just to, to kick off, would you mind just kind of telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Um, I live in County Limerick. I live, I have my own home. I have um, been working in insurance for quite a number of years, actually working in insurance prior to having the issue with my site and maintained my job there afterwards. And um, I um, I run an office um, generally on my own. I do have a nephew that helps me out during holiday time, but he's heading off to Canada tomorrow, so... I will be there on my own from there. I do um, all sorts of general insurance and I would have customers in and out bar when we stopped that for COVID. So, and um, it's a job I've worked at all my life. And I was, as I say, I was lucky to maintain after I ended up being registered with the Council for the Blind. And Toby, is the kind of the industry back up to the way it was working pre-COVID or is still things a bit in a state of... Uh, change with staff working from home or anything like that? No, there are still staff kind of working from home and the offices are kind of opening up again. We still kind of uh, let people into the counter. They don't come into my desk anymore, but we let them into the counter and we generally try maybe only to have one at a time, not to mix people, different people at the counter or whatever, you know, and there's screens there and sanitizers and everything. So just generally, I think at this stage with COVID, everybody has to kind of take on their own responsibility and be, as, you know, treated, you know, be responsible for themselves and for others. So I kind of like the sanitizer is used enormously. I was saying to somebody the other day, I think when everything opens back up, I reckon we won't have Chanel number five anymore. We'll have COVID-19 as a perfume and maybe That's Corona true. as maybe Corona as an aftershave. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're, we're going to miss like, the smell of those sanitizers, you know. Correct, correct. I don't know if it'll be, ever be a bestseller, but we certainly have got used to it over the uh, last 18 months, definitely. And it's been and a hard time for people. That's one thing about COVID. I found it hard. I found the isolation very hard. I would find for a lot of people, I would feel, um, especially people, users like myself, especially those that were kind of at home, it was a very big change for them. I remember seeing some of the hints that the NCBI gave in the emails and things which people wouldn't think about. But if you're guiding somebody, you normally, they would hold your elbow, whereas they were telling everybody to cough and sneeze into their elbows, <laughs> which is what somebody would catch. Um, you know, at home, like I got, I was a close contact in January, the day I went back to work. I was gone home again by lunchtime and I found that 10 days was very very hard because I had been flooded. My house had been flooded. I'd had builders in. They'd come back that morning and I just, I had to call them back out, let them go away again. So I couldn't spend my time doing that in the house because it wasn't finished. Yes, <laughs> and yes. I found the time extremely long. That's when I realised how hard the isolation was for people because literally just my sister-in-law drive into the yard and hand me out food or whatever. But other than that, there was no contact. Just, no contact. I haven't had anybody stay in my house except once since last March, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. It, 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 you're dead right. It, it certainly has affected everybody in, in, in different ways. So um, 
as the society reopens again, I know we're going to all relish being able to reconnect with people in a, in a physical form. Yeah. And tell me, um, how long have you been connected with NCBI services and which services have you availed of? I'd say it's approximately 20 years at this stage. I was I um I had surgery which resulted in me losing the sight in one eye. The other one previously been damaged from when I was tiny, kind of called like a lazy eye, but not quite. Um so the good eye went then and that's when I got registered with them. That would be approximately 20 years ago. And um and what services have you me. used over the years? <clears throat> well they they would have assessed me that time and they would have helped me out initially with um, and with glasses, as I call them, the double milk bottle end glasses. <laughs> um, and um, I don't use them now, I use hand magnifiers. And um, they also then, when I got back to work, because it took a while to recover, they would have helped me in getting me a um, CCTV monitor and in organising to get JAWS set up on my system so that I could use it. And um, subsequently then helped me to get um, my laptop and get it sorted and, you know, ongoing all the time kind of from then, you know. I suppose that's quite common because um, people's vision obviously changes over a period of time and their requirements change. So often people would kind of dip in and out of our services as and when they need upskilling in a new device or um, a, a, a new magnifier or even just um, if they're <clears throat> trying to dip their toe into, into other areas of our services, for example, kind of vision sports or even kind of peer groups and that kind of stuff. And, and you've availed of the, the check-in and chat. Is, is that right? Yeah, I, I have to say again there, since COVID, there's been regular contact from NCBI. There's been the labs technology is going on every week and there's been a lot of emails i've heard about the local advocacy network which i hadn't known about i heard about the check-in and chat and um, i found them really good through COVID. because to be honest prior to that i kind of worked outside i didn't have contact really in the sense of with the ncbi or i didn't know of other groups or i really didn't see that much unless i had to ask them about something Yes. There wasn't anything there. So I didn't know about Vision Sports until this year so when I got an email. And um, I joined in their Mayfest and I did their 40k walk. And um, the check-in and chat has been great because I literally I don't know any other servers users in my locality. And I find that's great and it's great fun. We generally have a good laugh when we do it. And um, it's just nice to know there's other people out there. We, you know, we discuss different issues, but it's nice to have the contact with people, um, you know, exactly. in a similar situation. Form those kind of friendships and things like that. Yeah. And it, 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 tell me about the, the 40K challenge that you did. <laughs> it was one of the things that was on it. Now, I have a treadmill here, which I had got after I had been able to try and just get fit. I plug in one here and it gets used every so often, not regularly. But I was looking through the list and there was, um, it said a 40K walk. So I decided, you know what, I'll log in and I'll sign up for that. And then I was saying to myself, God, I must check it again because when it, that's finishing, I thought Sunday week on the bank holiday Monday, I decided to check and think that's, I have to have that done by Sunday. But when I checked, it had to be done by lunchtime Friday. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I nearly fell off the chair, but I completed it. I actually, that day alone, I got up and I stayed on it. I think I did 10K. I nearly fell off it at the end of it. So I did. So what I used to do, I have approximately, I would have 2K walk in and out to work. So I got up in the morning and I do 2K and then I get ready and walk into work and then I'd walk home and then I'd get back up on it and try and do another four or six K. So I completed my 10 K by lunchtime Friday from oh my Monday God. evening. My 40 K rather. <laughs> Fair play to you. I'm sure you were glad that the couch was literally right beside you. Yeah. It's kind of something I do that maybe other people would kind of understand why, but maybe because of what happened to me and the changes it made to my life. One of the things I like to do is to take on a challenge. I like trying, I'll try anything once and I love to, I like, I actually do like a challenge. That's not saying I get them all done, but I do like it. You're and I think it's something, it. I think it's something that other people should remember. Like I was thinking the other day, what makes us different? I don't think we're different. I think we're normal people, <laughs> as the saying goes, like everybody else. We just yes. maybe see things differently, <laughs> you know, and we have to use different methods of getting getting people to understand us or whatever. I personally think observation wise, I think we sometimes see and hear an awful lot more than people with full sight or whatever, because we're tuned to actually observe in other ways. And we're tuned that we have to listen and hear what's been said because it's our main means of communication. True, you know? true. Yeah, I suppose you need to tap into the, either your residual vision or just develop different strategies to still accomplish the same things but it's just yeah. to um, change how they are how they are done yeah it can give us some good memory if we work it well true true and I, I suppose um just in terms of any um stories you can share with us about different challenges you might have had um st either stopping you from participating in an activity that you wanted to participate in um, I suppose I'm just trying to identify different challenges that have prevented people who are blind and vision impaired from participating in, in activities that they want to participate in. Have you ever experienced such barriers? Well, I think initially, um, like I said, I ran an office staff underneath me at the time. I think not being able to physically recognise the person in front of me, that like it was a huge body blow to my confidence. Yes, really yes. big time. And it was trying to, and then as well, too, because I had other people working in the office with me, I kind of maybe passed a lot over to them, you know, rather than challenge myself. So eventually somebody suggested I join Toastmasters, which is a group that helps people to be able to stand up and speak in front of an audience. True. Now, that I found excellent. I really found that such a help. Um, like it, the idea is that you would, there's 10 stages that you cover and by the end of the 10 stages you can stand and do a four to five minute speech but without any notes. Now, okay, there's straight away, <laughs> there's straight away, I couldn't use notes in the beginning because I said to him, if I were to, we'd be there all night because each word would be probably on one page <laughs> for me to yeah. be able to see it. So what I did instead was I used my jaws and I started typing my speeches as an email to myself and okay. then got Jaws to read it back to me so that I could memorize it. Yes, yes. And that was, uh, that was, and it's very handy. The other thing is when it reads back to you, you'll find, you'll hear your mistakes very quickly. 
you'll also hear that you're maybe repeating things. Um, another thing I used was one thing they teach you as part of it is to use objects to help you. So if you have three or four pieces to talk about in the speech, line up three or four objects that if you can't think and you look at the object, what you're going to say will come back to you. Like a prompt, yes. yes, prompt. yes. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. And, and um, I presume you accomplished that with, with flying colours, did you? Yeah, I, I did. Got my speech. I got two certs. I got a certificate, International Toastmasters, competent communicator and competent leadership. Now you can specialise if you want from there, but I, I didn't continue there, but I found I loved writing the speeches, so I did um I did a class in creative writing instead. Wow, a woman of many talents, obviously, for lady. And that's what I would say to people, try, keep trying different things. Not, not everything will work for you. I mean, I did try um, what a, a lot of people love. Um, what is it? The exercise spinning? Uh-uh, no way. <laughs> that, did, <laughs> that did not work. I, I will never go back to that, that is for sure. I'll stick with my um, treadmill, but I won't do spinning. Um, and but I was saying it on the check-in and chant one day that, like, you know, we might have to do things differently, but we're not... We're not any different to anybody else trying to learn something new. And True. that we're not True. any less able to do it than anybody else. Yes, yes, very true. Which I suppose um, brings me, Geraldine, to the, the kind of a, a final question that I have. And, and I pose to everybody who comes on the podcast, is there one piece of advice that you'd give to another person who's been recently diagnosed with a, a sight loss condition? Um. Stay in contact with NCBI, stay in with the check-in and chat. Like I said, try something different and uh, stop buying white toothpaste because if you miss the brush, it's a nightmare trying to find it in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> white toothpaste practical. with a stripe. <laughs> <laughs> Very practical advice, in fairness. Um, no, I, I, I certainly appreciate that um, because it is the, the lived experience you've obviously uh, in that instance, bought white toothpaste and haven't been able to, to find it. Um, so I, while I, I jest, I totally get the, the meaning of what you're trying to say um, in terms of just trying to, it's the whole issue of adaptation, what you need to do to adapt to your life now that you're living with sight loss, essentially. And like, try and bring humour into it. Don't be afraid of humour. Bring your humour into it. You know, that's how I worked with my customers. When they would come into me, I nicknamed my computer because it talks. I called it Stephen Hawking and I used to introduce them to the computer and I found that it relaxed them and therefore in turn relaxed me. So, yes. you know, it made it, it broke the ice, as they say. And I used to do that. I, I have no problem in doing that in respect to myself. Like, I, as I say to people at the counter, I can say, hello, how are you? I should be saying, hello, who are you? I like to bring the humor in to relax people a bit, you know, I found it works for me. So yeah, and, and, and you're dead right because people, um, because living with sight loss is a low instance disability, not everybody knows how to interact or understand or um, can appear awkward or anxious around somebody. So um, using whatever strategies you feel, in, in, in this case, humour, um, can kind of help break the ice and just kind of debunk myths that people might have. Yeah. Um, and I suppose just to, to wrap it up and say thank you very much, Geraldine, for to share for sharing your story with us. If any of our listeners does want to get in touch with any of our services, feel free to jump onto our 
website ncbi.ie or alternatively call our info line 1850-33-43-53 and our services are available right across the, the country um, and we look more, more than look forward to, to hearing from you. But for now, Geraldine, thank you very much for your time. No problem, June. Take care.